apologies for that. But yeah, so uh, I prefer the crazy people to be out in the open so I can get to recognize them. But what she said, the way she was saying, oh, we did for two years. American people did everything. Yeah. We did everything. We stayed in. We get vaccinated. Is it not enough? <laughs> oh, please. Like, this is yeah. not, I don't understand this overreaction, mental health issue. Oh, get over yourselves. Especially someone you know, in her situation, right? I mean, we're really talking oh, yeah, about yeah. people like exactly. parent. And, you know, she thought she was being so funny. She's like, you know, I, list, I watched everything on Spotify. The Tiger and King. The, the Tiger King. You see, that's the thing. I feel like some of these people still live in like March, April, May 2020. It kind of it kind of seems like it. And regardless of if you think that, you know, if the current measures are good or not, if they're an overreaction, right? The pandemic and the issue doesn't get solved based on how many measures you've like applied. They have to be the right measures. And at some point they're enough and you remove them. So just because it's been two years, who knows? Maybe you need to do this for 150 years. I'm not saying it's the case, but just the fact that it's been two years and you've done these things doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean you can't show up to an exam. Let me give you a shitty analogy. You can't show up to an exam and be like, oh, I should get a good grade. You know, I've been studying and everything and stuff. You know, I've been studying so hard. So I should get, well, I don't care if you study for five years or 10 years. Maybe you didn't study the right thing or maybe it wasn't enough. That's not the point. Does it solve the issue here or no? And uh, clearly it doesn't. <laughs> and I, I would add, I, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's why I, I just, I used to love Bill Maher when I was a kid. And it's just so annoying that why would Barry Weiss be there and not Brianna Joy Gray or Katie Halper or, you know what I mean? Like, who, who, why? Like this idiot, this complete reactionary of the worst kind. Like, why, sh why is she on TV? It's just extremely yeah. annoying. Well, I mean, like, Brianna was great on that topic, though, when she, um, when she spoke about it because oh, when they, because on on the covid and stuff like that and you know she just made the the point about you mm. know like things have changed over the past two years and it's not the same and we have new pieces of information so the fact that you're saying it's all the same it's not even true that you've done this for two years not even true and then she gave the example of herself with the gym she was like in the first year of covid oh, i yes, didn't go yes, to the gym right. And now I go to the gym. So even this this narrative of like, you know, nothing has changed. I've been doing this for two years. It's not even like factually true, you know. Uh, yes. And yeah, I mean, again, uh, we are in a privileged position. Obviously, we are not yeah. talking about people who were, you know, nurses or whatever. So, yeah, I, I just she's just such a drama. It's all drama queen. You know? yeah. It's all being a drama queen. So children oh children oh yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I agree again i want the schools to open in a safe manner but the way they go on about it is so disingenuous yeah. and i can't believe nobody sees through this yeah i'm sure a lot of Not people nobody. see yeah, yeah, yeah a lot of people yeah, see yeah, through her bullshit when she came out with the university and stuff it doesn't seem like too many people are are buying pinker, that shit. Yeah. even pinker <laughs> sort of But, and, uh, and it's funny you know she was like i thought that she was talking about education so that would have made her point like you know if she talked about education and some kids not being able to go to school a lot that would have made it 
much better. But what she said is that younger generations are going to think this was such a, what does she say, a moral? Moral crime. Moral crime or something. So she wasn't oh. even referring to school only, it seemed. More that, you know, that we've taken like these kind of decisions in response to COVID and, you know, younger generations. I mean, absolute we, bullshit. we get to later to this on Jordan Peterson, but I think a lot of these people are based, they, they are, they have bits just like comedians have bits mm-hmm. that they have, but they're not funny because mm-hmm. they're not funny. Uh, so, but you can so tell that this is a rehearsed bit, mm-hmm. just like, you know, when you see two different stand-up specials from the same guy and you see he's doing the same bits in both places. So yeah, he's I like clearly in my view the moral crime thing he was rehearsed and all that. So, yeah, it's, I yeah very disappointed. But talking about idiots, right? Yeah. I think it's time to move. Should we on move to... on, Jordan Pearson? The only thing to mention. No, Carlson. Going... Oh yeah, exactly. I was gonna say the Eminem story. Yeah. <laughs> talking of idiots, right here. <laughs> yeah, and then after yeah. that we go to Jordan Peterson, which, which should be fun. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> So what happened? Eminem so, is like redesigning one of its like Eminem female characters or like the main one. Tucker Carlson took big issue with this. And then yes. he says the funniest thing. Eminem's will not be satisfied until every last cartoon character is deeply unappealing and totally androgynous. Until the moment you wouldn't want to have a drink with any one of them. He's like, what? He said, like, soon nobody's going to, who's ever going to want to have a beer with one of these characters or something. Was like, what? Which is lovely because which betrays <laughs> the fact that Tucker Carlson had since childhood wanted to have a beer with M&M's. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? I, I've heard that with politicians, but with M&M's, come on. <laughs> You can somehow make that stupid shit work about politicians, you know? You know when they say that, you know, well, do people want to have a beer with this politician? Like George Bush famous. But uh, I would say that, yeah, I saw the new designs of the, I think it's green M&M and another color, just two colors uh, shifted. Are you, can you? Oh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah, I can hear you. But uh, I, I don't know if you've seen the image though. I mean, the redesign is just so drastic. And uh, I don't know why they did it. They wanted to make them sexier or not sexier. I don't, I don't even know. Yeah. Uh, one of them has basically changed her shoes. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. The other one, I don't know. But I must say, I've, yeah, I never gave that much thought to M&Ms as I have. This yeah. Week. And they're trying to make them less sexy, apparently. Or like, you know, less yeah. Sexy. Yeah. Whatever that means. Less sexually. Although yeah, that's a subjective well, thing. They might make them more sexy in some people's eyes, but... Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into... I'm into greens. <laughs> what is going on, though? What, like, why? I mean, this is like the top-rated cable show in America, and it's discussing the redesign of chocolate. Uh, and know, that's why it is. Uh, because you that's can just watch is. that, and you know, if that's something that makes sense to you, it's so easy to watch and kind of get a laugh but, out uh, of it. Yeah, but it's shame. I, I don't know. I need to find because I usually, you know, whenever I want to sort of relieve myself and have a little fun, I buy M&Ms and I mm. just put them in front of me and then I start playing with myself. <laughs> So now I can't do that. They are not as sexy as they used to. <laughs> By the way, they haven't even yeah changed the actual shape of the thing. They only yeah. changed the mascot. So 
but you know what this just made me think though this is unrelated to everything but now that there's really like brianna there and there's ryan grim there bravi swab um brianna might have been a guest host yeah i think she was a guest host but i'm guessing she's going to fill in for ryan grim when he's not there that's i have a feeling that's what they're doing um you know and kim iverson the hill should also but i mean you never want to tamper with a business model that's working so maybe leave what you have but i'd be interested in like a longer podcast format of a show and maybe they rotated between these guys because they've put together an interesting group of people if you ask yeah me. the thing is i think most of them have their own shows yeah. as well going and they invite each other but still with that. a bit of professionalism on top of that and they don't necessarily hang out because kim iverson is not part of exactly like brianna's crew of people that she brings you know ryan grim has been pushed out a little bit and robbie suave guy he's a completely different kind of area so they could yeah, also yeah, explore yeah, yeah. making like a weekly podcast but yeah i would like that to be honest i think i mean the thing is though sometimes they have really annoying guests but usually yeah. oh my god they had this guest and he talked about uh, like he like the mandate like he was pro mandates and stuff but then uh, he used the shittiest analogy which i hate which is the nazi analogy the oh. hitler analogy yeah and Robbie Suave, that was fantastic. He just, uh, you know, he went, well, I do feel like this analogy is overused and all that. <laughs> so, you know, it's just whoever makes it. It's a bit annoying at this point. And I had never seen anybody finally, finally somebody yeah. stood up to this goddamn <laughs> stupid analogy of Nazi. Like everything that happens, they compare to Nazis. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he was complaining about something else, but yeah. Anyways. But yeah, yeah I'm, I would be, I would be a listener if they do a long format. I would not pay for it. Mm. <laughs> well, you pay for it through the ads anyway. But I mean, you wouldn't pay yeah. for it a different way. But uh, yeah, last comment. I'll make this. This just reminded me. This is separate. There's the the Nazi yeah. stuff is really annoying. Yeah, people have no other points of reference, and sometimes even gets them in trouble because they compare not so horrible things to, to like the Holocaust or Nazis. But the other one is that apparently, apparently, and I don't know, Einstein, he was a phys- he was yeah he wasn't like an English Einstein. major. Einstein, sorry, <laughs> he wasn't like an English major or something. But people love the fact that he would say, like, you know, the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. And that's one of those things that I really hate. And I'm not even too sure about this definition of insanity. But yeah, that one always comes up. Yeah, they always say Einstein. No, it's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different Different results. results. Yeah, that's insanity. Yeah, apparently it's from Einstein. Is it? Oh, yeah. wow, okay. And that one really pisses me off because everybody brings it brings it up. And I mean, uh, it's yeah. not even really the definition of insanity. I'm looking it up right now. No, it's not. <laughs> and you know who's the first person to, to, to also point this out? And it, it bothered me as well. And I was like, okay, this is like the first smart thing this guy said. Um, the, the guy from TYT, the Larioli guy. What? Oh, John, 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 I, I, John Ladarola, John Ladarola, Ladarola, yeah, something like that. 
John, no, John Iodorola. John right. Wick. <laughs> John Iodorola. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that is really annoying. I, I hate that everybody always mentions it. It's like, you know, the oh, definition of I, insanity, as Einstein said, is doing the same thing over <laughs> different results. So I mean, that what, annoys no, me as much as well. Talking about pets, peeves, like sentence. Yeah. My worst enemy, I think you can guess what, what's the one I hate the most. It's like, a, I. Give me a second. This, oh, give me a hint. Oh, we, uh, it's, it's, well, Kyle. Because we discussed it in regards to Kyle Kalinsky. Tell me, tell me. Uh, it's, Okay, power. This, oh, okay, much... okay, okay. Yeah. No, I didn't pick up on that power I... one that much, but last time you brought it up, yeah. Yeah, I despise power that sentence. That one, so, right? Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. <laughs> I despise that quote so much because oh, it's just it like parrots. Parrots, it reminds me of parrots. Just repeating what you're... <laughs> Shut the fuck up. It's just such a... It, it absolves anybody of a responsibility. Yeah. I'm not corrupt my position in the hierarchy. Maybe. Shut up. Oh, hierarchy. Don't get me started with Jordan Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> This hierarchy, okay. thing, I don't know where he got Kanye, that. Calm like, down. And people on the <laughs> left, they hate hierarchy. I'm like, that's not even really true. Like anarchists and stuff. Yeah, but people on the left don't necessarily like hierarchy is not that big. Top. By the way, also. Yeah, it's not. It's just maybe even if people on the left, the leftists, some of them about? hate hierarchy. I just never heard it being like a main topic of discussion. I don't know where he got that from. And he thinks it's such a, you know, it's such a good point against, you know, well, you know, leftists hate the most hierarchy and that's where. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anything else to mention about the hill and the rising and all this? No, I think, yeah, we are, yeah, we are so excited about the next segment. We are just already doing it. <laughs> this is like overtures. But yeah, no, let's move on. I think it's time to move on to the, to the, our Moby Dick, our white whale. All right, Sam. I think the wait is over. The moment has finally <laughs> come when we get to talk about Jordan Peterson's interview on Joe Rogan. Well, probably like for the third or fourth time between us, but the first time. On camera. Uh, online. <laughs> yeah. On camera. Uh, and I would say, uh, yeah, my final thoughts last week didn't turn out to be so final. Did they? So, you know, I, I acknowledge the hypocrisy. My, uh, sorry, my life has just pretty much been this Jordan Peterson podcast for the last two to three days. It was extremely entertaining. I mean, I don't think it's fair when people say that, I, that we hate him or stuff like that. I don't know. We seem to like him kind of in a way or i'm starting to like him maybe but just most of the stuff that he says or a lot of it seems quite ridiculous a lot of it but we'll get to it but yeah sorry just to get first of all we had viewers comments on my final thoughts or our final thoughts on jordan peterson and we're gonna somewhat respond maybe not directly but you know address the things uh, and oh, th- there was uh, a news story. So, I mean, Jordan Peterson basically went on Joe Rogan, and, and then we're going to discuss that mostly. But then uh, also, you had this big clash between Neil Young and a Spotify. Yeah. Neil Young, who's a famous uh, old, old, old singer, he basically 
told Spotify in an open letter that you can have either me or Joe Rogan. And Spotify went, okay, Joe Rogan. But <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you, Joe. That was so quick. The <laughs> next day they started yeah, yeah. deleting stuff. They're like, sorry, just the computers are not powerful enough to delete it all in one go. But <laughs> Select on. <laughs> <laughs> We're deleting his shit as fast as possible. Yeah, it was so funny. I don't think his lawyers had time to do any legal action or anything. <laughs> okay, all right, bye. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. But, and he then deleted the letter, I think, from his social media. So yeah. I don't know if he's still going through with that. Man, from what that I heard was... is that he regretted even sending that message to his managers but it got out or something like or something like that no i thought no no he oh, i think he sh- i thought he shared it yeah okay he I did thought he shared it no i thought he like shared it with his managers and stuff to share it with uh, spotify I, and then he like regretted yeah. it but it was too late or something or i don't know i don't know that part of the story i i no, think he, he did it in an open i i thought he did it in an open letter format mm-hmm. as in i'm taking a stance and then uh then what happened sort of made him oh and there was a quite a backlash i think oh, online yeah. to his yeah system. well apparently yeah according to, uh, i guess the record label also asked on his behalf or something oh did they okay i thought did they, i did i didn't think they had enough time it was just <laughs> happened so quickly yeah i know but again i would say to people who agree with Neil Young and all that. I think you're making a huge mistake. This Jordan Peterson interview and McMaster interview just shows why we need free speech. Mm-hmm. Because these, um, and by the way, somebody said, I admit that I was rude uh, and I did complain about rudeness. So <laughs> that was very hypocritical of me. But I would say, even though I'm rude, I do have place addressed. I don't, I never say Jordan Peterson as a human being is a you know, bad, I don't know him. I've never met the guy as a father, as a husband, blah, blah. Uh, but he he constantly does personal attacks on, uh, like, I mean, the famous one being Foucault and Derrida, which in number of occasions, he says, uh, disgusting, I don't know, hateful. He uses big words, venomful, insidious. Like, he uses this type of thing to describe them. So that's what I mean by root. It's not like saying bad words when addressing someone's arguments. It's doing personal attacks, ad hominem attacks, really, instead of real arguments. So I do, but I do admit I was rude myself. So like, it was a bit hypocritical. Well, a lot. Yeah, and I guess our viewers also like criticize, like uh, one of them was a regular one and he seems to, you know, um, John, he seems to agree with a lot of our of our takes, but he thinks we're really unfair when it comes Jordan Peterson. And I mean, I've been now listening to Jordan Peterson stuff for nearly two months and some stuff. I mean, this video, I'm going to try to um, back what I'm saying with like facts and evidence to say why Jordan Peterson is wrong. But I feel like a lot of the things that he says, he's just he's not saying something factual and you know, I can't respond to it, you know, something factual. It's just like, you can just like laugh at it, kind of make fun about fun at it and things like this. So he, I mean, I we'll mean, have, we'll have some of those parts and we'll get to them. Yeah. I think to be honest, I mean, I, uh, after you, hopefully, I think you're focusing on the, some of his specific claims regarding climate, but I, I'm gonna, I think after that, I'd like to argue that uh, I think it's just, I mean, I, 
I just mentioned the case. But let's I was talk about the podcast a bit generally first too, and then we'll sure. get into that. Yeah, no, that's the thing. I, uh, first of all, it was a hilarious podcast. The <laughs> beginning was just amazing. The beginning was bloody fantastic with the uh, with the, like, and as you said, I can't get it out of like so many animal allegories. Just why do you need so many animal animals? Like, he loves animals. I know, and. Uh, yeah, it was it was a very funny one. So as a piece of comedy, some parts of it was just too funny. We'll discuss that. But I think Peterson is definitely like he, he again, I don't know him as a person, but in his arguments, he's a hypocrite because he co- constantly compl- complains about other people, people being ideological in the way they art can't be ideological. You should approach art a, a politically and I personally don't believe you can have such a thing but and then he puts forward his own interpretations as if they are the most concrete and obvious and that's what the author meant and that's what the the writing should mean to you and all that so you know uh, that's the biggest problem I have with him I mean he I checked out this video of him he went on Dave Rubin he says this, this is a specific quote uh, so, quote, the artist who subsumes the artistic vision to the ideological framework is putting the cart before the horse. It's actually a sin, I would say, ultimate creative sin. Uh, so that's w- what he says about And I'm of the view you can never have a political work, even a, a political work is in itself political in a sense mm-hmm. that it is not taking side. Uh, so that's OK. You disagree. I agree with me there. Uh, but, but I mean, you clearly have a framework. You have clearly defined your framework as some kind of Christianity. So you are not in a position to make this uh, to make this criticism because you are not even claiming or adhering to some form of a politicalness, even if that's possible, mm-hmm. right? So that's what pisses me off the most about him, I must say, and his idiotic use of analogies is just. It's just get, the cherry on top. I think what maybe pisses me off the most about, yeah, the animal stuff. I mean, it is crazy. It's, so, I mean, we'll get into the, the climate change stuff in a second. But what everybody in the media picked up. Sorry, I cut you off. No worries, no worries. So I think I was going to say, like, what a few things that pissed me off about him. And this is not, by the way, to completely, like, undermine everything that he's done or that, you know, he has no, like, expertise anywhere or no knowledge or you know people wrote in our comment section that he's helped how can we say bad stuff about him when he's helped tens of thousands of young men and stuff i mean i'm not sure how they how they know but let's take that let's say like sure i mean you know um he people who bought his book portion portion of the people who bought his self-help books young men those ones you know they're really helped out by the jordan peterson book if it weren't for his book they wouldn't or you know his advice they would have had other issues and sure like sure maybe that is for granted and like you were saying at the end I think uh, when he was talking about psychology and all this you know clinical, kind of clinical psychology you, you know it kind of gives different impressions the stuff that are saying and you know that I have not much here I've, I don't really have any problems with what I heard there to come and point out but you know, I was telling you, like, 
everybody has multiple personalities, not multiple personalities, but like multiple like identities, right? This is like very commonly talked about in social sciences. And his, you can just see them clearly. And there's this one identity of his, which is like this mainstream one where, you know, he goes on podcasts and he talks about different topics that they're not the ones that he's an expert on. And these are the ones that, you know, I think have made him really popular, like, you know, talking about trans issues or other things. And a lot of them just have a lot of holes in them. And he does like two things. So we're talking about stuff that, you know, piss me off. One is like the nonstop animal analogies, like some are so relevant, like in the first five minutes of the podcast, where he's talking about the he's flaws about of climate models which we'll get into he references this analogy about chickens do you remember um what it was he goes like straight away into chickens and joe rogan's like okay that's fine for like chickens and stuff but what I don't about remember the chicken was in any case i mean i don't see i wonder some of our viewers no, who really just... like him do they find all these animal analogies like <laughs> relevant i mean he just loves them non-stop and then the second thing is that this he's really a master at, and he throws this, and I think I have an example of this, which we'll get into with the deaths in nuclear campaign solar, which is, what did you call that, a shock jock? or? Um, uh, yeah, I think he's a shock jock. Yeah, like, so I mean... Shock jock... By that like you mean radio, like... You, yeah, what? No, it, it, shock jock used to refer to radio, uh, like DJs or comedians that, you know, try to basically shock you by, by what they say. It's so out of band, man. Oh my God, he said the F word. He said the C word, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's, I don't like it, to be honest. It's not, I hate it in many ways. It's like, it's the uh, jump scare, you know, jump scares in horror movies. Mm, okay. Basically, boom. Yeah. You know, that, like, you know, it's the that jump scare of comedies. You know, it's the cheapest way, in my view, to try to get laughs but i do feel like he's exactly he's a shock jock i mean let me just read this in if i want to summary my view it was unstructured musing of a frustrated hippie who has finally joined the cool kids mm -hmm. you know that's what it comes across like he comes across both as a hippie and he comes across as an incredibly tense and somewhat rigid individual and yeah, the things he espouses. I mean, it was very interesting. You said we are different characters. That's very postmodern of you. Very, you know, individual. No, different identities. Yeah. Yeah. No, people, we present ourselves different in different situations. And as you say, with his case, it's very, I don't know. I think it is very obvious that some is, he's playing a character, I think. I don't, yeah. I don't or maybe know. just. I mean, and but I mean, one way that I understood the kind of shock jock reference is that like you'll be talking about a topic and like he'll throw a fact about a particular aspect of it that will like you know kind of get your attention and it's cool and stuff, but it has, oh, yeah, really, but man? really it's like parallel, it's not even parallel, it's like tangent to the issue, it's like a small part of it, you know, but like yeah, he'll throw that an and he's so good at that, and you wouldn't realize like when they're talking about the nuclear stuff we'll get into the solar and solar he throws in this fact about that which the media actually thought is wrong but is actually true we'll go through that so what he says is true but it's just irrelevant but he's very skilled at it so that made it all seem like okay solar power and all this climate change thing is all kind of 
bullshit it's not talked about whereas he just gave a very like irrelevant fact on the side so those are just some of his skills that I've kind of picked up on after listening to this four hours and yeah yeah more. no I but but yeah and, I must say that it was and so... Joe was on to him no and I mean I've been telling I think so yeah because he fact checks them no, quickly no. in the beginning over the no man over the seven yeah. million kids dying from internal like pollution he he other times yeah that's oh by the way the shock the shock jerkiness comes like mm. did you know nine million kids die every minute <laughs> did, because of i don't know because the seven million of, kids of die every year because of no the i know exaggerate yeah, yeah. Oh, oh did did you know more people die from uh pedestrians have car accidents than car have car accidents <laughs> <laughs> yeah what's like uh, it's yeah. just uh, exact i mean i somewhat hate it because it reminds me of myself when i was like a teenager but i was a teenager yeah. i grew out yeah. of it you know i stopped doing that like it's a way to get attention it's a way yeah. of i guess peacocking in a way like you know look at me and yeah but joe was fully on to him right like yeah, yeah, fact he, was him, he was kind of he wasn't like he wasn't like in awe of him, like I've seen him. No, be, not at all. With what's his Man, name? He laughed, with, he laughed with at the Tesla twice. guy. Yeah, he left. He laughed like badly in his Openly. face. Openly, yeah. One, oh, uh, yeah, at man. least. But how can you not? Like one of them, I laughed. Like we talked about, it's always sunny. I was laughing out loud. He talks. Oh my god! The whole. Do you remember which one? Inflation. Oh. The inflation and the grasshopper and the ants. So you know, you know. You think Ant is smart because he collects and saves his food for winter, but what if there is inflation? Then grasshopper, and if the grasshopper has invested in the subprime mortgage market, you know, he has bought some options in the future. He has some options in future of the oil market. And, you know, he's, he's beaten the inflation. So who's in charge? And I love it when Joe Rogan goes, Inflation doesn't inject shit to ants. <laughs> and, he, and oh my God, Peterson comes back. Well, ant colonies have wars. You know? Oh, yeah. No, he always has. <laughs> what if there's a. Yeah, didn't think that, of that, did he's you? Definitely in the wrong field. Forget about psychology, psychoanalysis, and all this. Go become. <laughs> yeah, who good. studies animals? Biologists? I don't know what's the exact. Uh, uh, zoologist, I, I think. He yeah, loves animals and the animal kingdom. It's just. <laughs> it was amazing. so good, man. Birds. What? I love Look. birds. One part he's saying something, he's like, <laughs> even birds. This I'm like, what? Even <laughs> when, when did you establish something about birds that now you can even suddenly birds. come in with this even birds thing? Like, okay, birds do it. <laughs> Must okay, guys, we have to. Birds also shit while they fly. Should we go? I don't, uh, it's so funny, man. It was so funny. And I, yeah, I don't know. I just just i love his analogies you know just like the mosquitoes investing in the you know juice market i don't know <laughs> but okay so let's get to the climate segment and then we'll come back so the climate change one was crazy it was in the beginning and it was like it was quite strange but joe actually set him up because joe himself started with a pretty weird I mean, actually, it's his word now that I'm using. So he says this. Who believes in 10 years that Miami is going to be underwater? And it's a gross exaggeration. And the reality is that the world sort of always goes through these cycles of change. But human beings are definitely having an effect on it. But a small effect compared to cows and other things. The climate change one is a <coughs> weird one. 
So he actually introduced climate change, but Joe <coughs> he Rogan. Said some people argue that. I didn't is... say I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I no, know. I know. Uh, I was reading like his quote. That's what exactly what he said. Yeah, yeah. His quote, but anyway, Joe Rogan's thing was a bit weird too because it, but a small effect compared to cows and other things. But cows are also. You know the number of cows on this planet are also yeah, because of humans. Yeah, it's not like cows got together. <laughs> let's go, guy. Let's over. You know what we should do? We should, you know, excessive reproduction so we can sell our meats to yeah. humans. He's talking about yeah. There some people talk about cows as if they are just independent actors. <laughs> like, yeah. Guys, let's set up shops near, you know, which land is good? Brazil rainforest. Let's go there. Cut some trees down. (laughs) And then he used the word climate change, the weird one. I never. Anyway, so my whole point with that is that Joe Rogan introduced the climate change debate very on the conversation, climate change topic very on in the podcast. And so Jordan Peterson went on from there. So the first thing that he did was he brought up the margin of errors and the variables oh my, that was amazing. to dismiss that was amazing. all climate change studies, right? So I want to break this and down. And all other studies. You can, like, so, based on that, exactly. basically, human experience is like, I mean, it was very clear. That's my first It was point. very clear. Yeah. yeah, that's my first point. First, let's talk about the variable ones. So Because that, that one's even like simpler. It's like, but which variables do you use? You can put this variable, that variable. But I mean, that's an issue with every out, single field. <laughs> like yeah, the same thing can be said about life. your field, right? Like which variables you use. And you don't just pick any of them out of the blue. It's based on, you know, hypothesis, past literature, yeah. past studies. I mean, he just he just shat all over all the sciences, which he's involved too with that statement. So I didn't get that. Then the margins are a bit more interesting. So we get the errors, sorry, are a bit more interesting. Error, so we can get margins. that one right after, yeah. No, again, I think he's just figured out, like, that's how... But there's no way he didn't works. just figure it out. This guy has a PhD and a master's in a social science thing. The first thing that you hear in any, like, social science classes and all that are these discussions about, you know, models and the variables that we choose and the subjectivity and all this and which variables to choose and we should control yeah. for these variables. I mean, these are the first things that come out of all teachers' Um, you know their mouths of that well from what i've seen over the past 15 years or so that i you know first went to university hey, you so that's definitely not you know making that seem like it's not something that is shared widely in universities or stuff it's just it's mis it's misleading and i'm sure he knows that about he knows you know the problem which which variables to choose have control variables is this variable actually having the effect that you want these are like central to social sciences and all kinds of issues that they have with, you know, producing positivist, like, kind of results. Well, no, no, not even social sciences. We are talking about, first of all, climate change, the natural sciences. Even in natural sciences, man, they don't, modeling, and again, it's just reliability of studies, the ability to reproduce that Mm -hmm. study and get the same results, right? It doesn't mean you will get exactly the same results, you know, and that's the whole point. Like, I, again, it's like he uh, obviously the farther you go into the future, it becomes harder to predict things because variables increase and the, the, their effects on each other are unpredictable pretty much. So, again, like you're describing life 
not even science you're just <laughs> describing like human like okay if i want to go out i have to guess that you know the shops are open but of course you know it, uh, again you're just describing thinking it's funny and, that yeah, you say that gonna, you, you yeah. should, you're talking about thinking and life because he quickly goes right away with saying you know that's the problem with predicting the future and why humans can never like be certain of what they're going to do so he brings it like completely out of the climate change discussion yeah. and brings it about like humans predicting the future and Experience. all this but let's get into this so this he didn't mention it but i looked into it and i'm pretty sure this is where it comes from i mean first we all agree that climate change models are not 100% probably reliable they probably all make some mistakes but although the literature goes back um you know quite a while now and they keep on always making new models and testing this model with these variables compared with another scientist's findings and all this so we know but he was saying something else which is that he was saying that because there's like a margin of error right that margin of error just multiplies itself over time I, right I, to become like yeah, this yeah, insanely exactly. huge error right but I don't think that is actually true. Like a margin error remains and it might become bigger, but it doesn't exponentially just multiply. Like just because your margin of error is like for in 10 years time three, it doesn't become six and then like 18 and then 36. It doesn't go up in that way, right? I've, and I think what he is referring to is that this paper studied, uh, this paper, just, go ahead. I have his exact quote. Do you want me to read Yeah, that? sure. So another problem that bedevils climate modeling too, which is that as you stretch out the models across time, the errors increase radically. And so maybe you can predict out a week or three weeks or a month or a year, but the farther out you predict, the more your model is in error. And that's a huge problem when you're trying to model over hundred years because the error compounds just like interest. So that's what I think. Yeah, exactly. So my understanding is that, okay, all the way until the the error compounds that is where like he kind of starts you know that's where i don't agree with him right because sure maybe the margin of error will be much more for something in the future but not in this way that he's saying and i believe he got this from patrick frank who has a phd a member of the scientific staff of the stanford synchrotron radiation right so he's a mm -hmm. person who works at stanford and he's a physician and in 2019 he put out this study and he said that you know because climate models have these kind of um, you know things that you're uncertain of and all this as you go over time these just multiply itself so he says when climate models actually find that you know that in 50 years the weather is going to be let's say plus 1.5 degrees warmer plus or minus 0.3 no that's bullshit it's actually plus or minus 20 or plus or minus 25 degrees so it's just so absolutely wrong these models right these models are so absolutely wrong that they're useless so here's a quote from that guy's study large but previously unrecognized uncertainties must therefore exist in all the past and present air temperature projections and advanced climate models the unavoidable conclusion is that an anthropogenic air temperature signal cannot have been nor presently can be evidenced in climate observables right so he's saying that the error becomes so much that these climate models are absolutely bullshit i'm pretty sure jordan peterson got his argument exactly from this and then pretty much if you go on the internet and if you look up this person's study called um 
propagation of error and the reliability of global air temperature projections. So I was listening to him. It's interesting. The guy, he did this and like part time because this is not what he's hired to do. So he did this on his own time. And it took like 12 or 15 journals that were that didn't accept this paper. And he points out that the people doing the peer review, they weren't good and they didn't understand. So finally, one person, one uh, journal accepted it. A, a good one to peer review and everything. So that's fine. But there are a lot of people after that, a lot of other scientists and stuff who who dismiss what he's saying. And just one of the main claims that they have against no, I, it is like, why would you how why do you think that this mistake just compounds infinitely? They like just like doubles, 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 which is not true. Really, and then yeah. they point out, you know, they point out how models can show the past accurately. And of course, they have mistakes. But yeah, this whole thing that the models become absolutely bullshit i think he got it from this um from the patrick frank in person i wouldn't be surprised but again you have to go case by case what are you talking about maybe you're talking about uh for example uh i don't know reduction of quality of soil in that case due to acidic rains in that case maybe they do compound because they're mm. like you, you have to go case by cases basis for but just look at the your weather app your weather app is you know for example it says it's going to be raining rainy to today like 60 percent chance of rain it doesn't say 100 percent mm. chance of rain and usually when it says rainy it's at least cloudy you know like that's how like you can't predict the future of so of course some again what are you talking about climate change as a whole I'm sure because climate change as a whole has so many variables going into it. Modeling for it is extremely difficult and, and probably inaccurate in terms of like being 100% right. But uh, I don't know about this guy's study. I don't know if he just looked at climate change. He no, he just looked at like climate models. So he was saying that climate. all climate models, they make this mistake. Are so, wrong because so yeah, so he completely like dismisses all climate models, right? And I'm pretty sure Jordan Peterson got this from this. And anyway, climate models, I believe, are just one way of studying, you know, uh, the impact of climate change. You look at historical records, you look at sea level rises, you look at glaciers melting. Anyway, there, no, but those are, there are all, a bunch no, of... But, but those are all used to predict, like... No, I mean, you can like look at the... Climate change. Yeah, no, but I don't no, think but all I know, studies like, are climate model is... studies. No, there. No, but even if you look at the past to argue something about climate change, you're talking like climate change is. I would say it's like, it's you can't. It's uh, no, integral the, part of future. Like you, it, whenever you're talking about climate change, you're inherently talking about the future. So it's not always, always about though. Model, not always looking. Model. I agree that the models about the future are like a main important aspect of climate change studies. No, but but okay, I'm saying there's also that is. I mean, they look at like sea level rise, how like over the past 10, 20 years and before that, or they also look at compared to the past though. I'm saying, I don't think it's yeah, always exactly. just looking into the future no, or they, predicting no, temperature change they, in the future. No, but why would they compare it to the past? Because they want to predict the trend for future. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like unless like everything to do with climate change is about predicting but, future, so everything about climate change is about predicting yeah but i think what i'm trying to say is that not all climate change studies are based on like model studies of how things are going to uh, what 
the temperature is going to be like or what the oh, weather okay. and climate is yeah. going to be like that that is all i was trying to say okay, there. No, but this was like the actually this was like the hardest kind of one to like unpack and go into i think the other ones that he says are like much more <laughs> clear cut and simple and they they go back to this kind of uh what was and uh, like you know just throwing in random facts right oh shock so, jerkiness yeah or... shock jocking so i got so in the media they covered what he said right he said more people die every year from solar energy than die from nuclear right this was like in this climate change topic right and everyone in the media kind of made fun of him and did the same thing as you did but he is factually is factually correct if you look at the number of deaths that happen like within the industry right and so nuclear is the least dangerous one and solar energy is like i'll put the graphs right now so people can see the most dangerous no 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 it's like a little bit higher and then of course the most dangerous is coal and then oil and oh, natural gas sense. which have a lot of other ones so and i was also looking at this um you know it was for like people working in the in that sector they were like you know saying so i got this from a brochure for like you know people working in that sector when calculated in relation to the amount of power each industry produces it's more than 10 times more dangerous than nuclear power as a result there are believed to be around 100 to 150 deaths in the worldwide solar industry each year so here actually the media didn't do their job of actually going and really checking what he's saying because what he said is factually true but it's, it's irrelevant, irrelevant it right? It's irrelevant to climate change. And sure, like it's something that we should know, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't dismiss it. It doesn't really make solar power a better source of energy or a worse. It doesn't address any of its issues. And when it comes to nuclear, the conversation around nuclear was kind of like very like low level because they were like, yeah, nuclear is really like, the the great best energy source out there right why don't they do it more and stuff and then jordan appears and we're like well france is into it and stuff but they they don't mention the whole issue of nuclear is really one is that it's super expensive like and when governments decide to like open a nuclear power plant it can only happen in like 15 to 20 years into the future they're very expensive setup there's a problem of the radiation from like because some of the parts after a while you have to bury them and that's kind of the, these are the two main issues that you see nobody, re sorry? Nuclear waste. Yeah, nuclear waste, exactly. So they completely forget to mention these two, two things. Anyway, not a crime. And this is why you really see like most countries are not moving towards nuclear because nobody from each side really wants it. I think it's hard to make money off because you need to do all these investments and it comes with dangerous. Yeah. Otherwise, nuclear does have a lot of nuclear contributes less to greenhouse gas emissions than solar apparently yeah so i mean in that sense me, it's very good but you know that's just one set of problems with it uh, yeah the main problem i it's all these like to be honest if i do think joe rogan is right though that even if we go like there's not enough material in the world if we all want to live like americans in my view you know if you make oh, as many batteries as many you know what oh, i yeah. mean I, I don't know if there's enough material for us to live in that world. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't see that much. Like, it, I, again, I, it was just a completely irrelevant fact to the, like, energy crisis. It's not like 
people are dying to the energy topic issue. Yeah, exactly. Uh, pollutes it. It's just like they fell off a roof or something. But what, but what so, you mentioned goes to the heart of the third one that I have. And this mm-hmm. one was the most absurd one. So this is a quote from him. The fastest way to make the planet sustainably green and ecologically viable is to make poor people as rich as possible as fast as we possibly can. The thing about poor people is that the resource in, they're, they're not resource efficient. <laughs> they use a lot of resources to produce very little outcome. So that's a problem. Now, I think this one is just factually wrong, no matter how you look at it. So the world's wealthiest, this is according to Oxfam and Stockholm Environment Institute. So maybe the numbers aren't good. But the world's wealthiest 10% were responsible for around half of global emissions in 2015. How did they, I don't huh? know. The, the top mean, 1% percent the were responsible for 15% of emissions, nearly twice as much as the world's poorest 50%. Who are responsible for just seven percent, and you can also look by country, right? If you look at the top ten countries, I have them right here, who emit the most emissions, right? The only country which is in third place, which is like you know, poor, and I guess would use these kind of resource inefficient ways that um, Peterson was referring to, is India, right? Otherwise, there's China, U.S., Russia, Japan, Germany, Korea, Iran. Canada and all these countries are of course producing um, emitting a lot of emissions not because of things that they're doing in resource and if it's inefficient ways right it's because they're producing a lot and they're consuming a lot so I did Look, find is, that to be the that was the funniest you, craziest know, one that poor people are responsible for more green ass gas emissions than rich no, people but, I mean but, has he even ever looked around like you know who buys stuff who travels the most who eats the most? Who has bigger houses? Who has bigger cars? Look, who has more cars? All of these things. So I don't know where he thought that that makes sense. And this is the point where he where he quickly went to the whole indoor indoor and like dangers of like you know burning burning wood and stuff really? indoor. No, no, burning stuff indoor yes. and seven million kids dying from from indoor pollution oh, yeah. for a year. I, I, I don't know. I, you have, there are many ways to calculate this. And there's always talks that poorer people, because of the way they have to live. It's not like they choose motherfuckers. I, I mean, that's the thing. But like, even the way like that they have to live, to no, but have to coal. live, right? A burning coal is done like in other places where people are also rich, not necessarily poor. But the whole thing that they burn wood and that the burning wood like makes up for all other kinds of emissions like this, yeah, you can't exactly. calculate. That is that is not true. I mean, okay. In total I, yeah, for the amount I, that is yeah. consumed. But it's just, he's, again, and oh yeah, the left is anti-growth. By the way, that's why I think, again, talking of Joe Rogan being onto him and stuff, like whatever Joe Rogan was talking about, he would keep kept bringing lefties yeah. and Joe Rogan would ignore that. He kept bringing, oh, these lefties, they want to, I'm sorry, these lefties want to destroy you, us, they want to hurt you, they want to, and he's so emotional and about everything and yeah but sorry the climate thing it's just yeah exactly he just knows a couple of shitty facts that he's learned to you know argue arguments i don't feel like he would know more than this like i mean i couldn't believe the resource one really 
He did Man. your 200 books on the oceanic and stuff. And it's funny, whenever he's actually, I think, knows about something, like whenever he actually looks into something, then he is very reasonable. Like, <laughs> oh no, in the oceans, I actually looked into it. We, there we have to like uh, conserve and be clean and all that. So I'm sure if he, he's given a book and a couple of nice sentences and a nice animal analogy, he can be win over to the environmental cost. Like Man, just tell him that- I would love to know. Birds do it. Did you know birds recycle? Oh, I would love to know the truth when it comes to 200 books. Like, come on, Jordan, yeah, just that's... say the truth. What oh, do you mean? Did even you even literally... if you have, if you even if you have read 200 books, it's such a. Come on, you don't say that. I, yeah, I did extensive research. I mean, oh my god, the part. Sorry, I, I'm getting. On no, I'm tangent. done with the climate change stuff. So feel free to expand oh, the done? conversation. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. The, the the part where he goes on about yes, I we I uh, how did you. Oh, we how do we establish something is true if it happens independently in different parts of the world? And I established this form of psychological, sociological, biological assessment. I think he's talking about the Bible and with God being true or something. And it's just, it, you're five years old. This is an argument when I was seven, people were giving me that. How could, if God doesn't exist, how does it appear mm. independently in different cultures? First oh, of man. all, because we are not that special because most of us are idiots that are have the same we think we are special and different we are not secondly because they copied each other yeah they clearly copied they were like oh what is your story okay i changed the main name of my character mm -hmm. to a local name yeah. and if there was no copyright laws there was no you know people and there was the migration page. and people moving and traveling two thousand years yeah. ago Based on what I've heard. They were nomadic <laughs> tribes, pastoral living. Yeah. And yeah, this idiot. Um, again, no, but the I'm religion stuff, hold on, hold on, hold on. Religion stuff. I want to give a disclaimer and then ask you. The Bible is right? the truth. The so I completely zoned out on the religious stuff because, okay, he's not going to convince me with that based on like God being real and all that, right? But like, you know, I know that some people have like serious theology conversations where they go over like the literature and within their framework of like this happened to that. So within that world, they actually talk about, OK, this was written first and that one was written first. So within that kind of paradigm. Right. And I don't know anything about that paradigm. So I completely ignored it. But what was that story that he was saying that like he kind of like just found out or something like he was a story that he told joe that this is going to be like the most interesting thing you've oh, ever man, heard awesome. and i don't think i don't think it passed joe rogan at all because joe rogan no. got into a back and forth with him over something what? like not why, related why exactly this... to what he was okay, saying it's a moses it's a moses story about the fact that moses there's these snakes that are bothering people so people are like moses moses what are you good for? You're, you suck as a prophet. The snakes are bothering us. So he goes and he has taught because Moses is the only of the Abrahamic prophets that has conversations with God. Like, okay. you know. Okay. See, Moses, I didn't know this thing. You know, it's like, I didn't follow. Man, I, <laughs> so now I'm like, you know, I'm Moses putting myself is, within Moses, this paradigm, within this framework. Yeah, God, look, okay. God is a bit of an introvert. And he, <laughs> like, when it comes to most prophets, he usually sends. Gabriel, because, you know, he doesn't want to directly. But with Moses, he was very close and they had direct uh, Skype calls and all that. He would, uh, the MacBook of the time was a bush. So he would appear, he appeared to him and he told him to take this stick and 
put it in front of the people and he turns into a snake, a snake but, but he doesn't bite them or some bullshit like that. And Jordan Peterson obviously says that this is a story about facing your fears, but it was so funny because he was like, it is, it is so fascinating. It is <laughs> such an such amazing story that it must be either uh, yeah. completely mad or true. What? And then, uh, what's his name? Jurgen, well, why would you think that? <laughs> that it's not that crazy of a story even. Like, come back yeah. to the other shit. I mean, I didn't even yeah. get it. I was like, what did I miss? I guess I'm not listening closely now. <laughs> no, it was hard to get. It, he, because he, that's a, another trick. He uses big words. Oh. He, he looks I mean, into that face when he's talking. He looks into, and, oh, oh my God, this is a story. No, he's clearly a clever <laughs> way guy in many ways, but... Uh, it's I you know it, he reminds me of a passion like people in passion plays. I mm. remember as a kid seeing both people who watch passion plays. You see them suddenly cry their eyes out, and then as soon as the passion plays, okay, okay, where are the biscuits? Where is the biscuit and tea? Where is it? Oh, Javad, how you doing? Is everything good? Uh, how, how's the bazaar going? Like. What the? F- how do you, can you go from that level of yeah. you know sadness that you're like crying and hitting yourself to that? And uh, by the way, the people who do, did the preaching or did the passion play also were like you know they do this type of getting emotional yeah. and talking about the stories as if oh my god! And I just love Jorgen this episode. He was like, all right, well, okay, thank yeah. you. Yeah, no, well done. <laughs> yeah, I would really like to like. Anyway. Jo- they definitely approached Joe Rogan and not the other way around. Joe Rogan, like, didn't book him. I'm sure they approached He just didn't seem like, you know, <laughs> he was, like, too way, into I loving would... it too much. But maybe I'm just no. misreading and projecting, kind of. So who knows? But I did love the, I must say, I loved the, uh, oh, uh, not love. Somebody, one of the comments that we got, negative comments, said that it's, like the criticisms you make sort of maybe ranks of jealousy or you know it's kind of out of jealousy and after this episode i am fully admitting <laughs> i am super jealous of this man i mean he gets to hang out with matthew mcconaughey <laughs> and guy Ritchie. i mean my whole world is being destroyed i found that dave rubin is friends with bob saget jordan <laughs> peterson is friends with guy Ritchie. So I, yeah, I don't get it. And I am. Oh, yeah, he I do sold those barbecues for Guy Ritchie. I mean, I want one. I think Joe Rogan was sold. I think Guy Ritchie's What's, website probably crashed. What's so special about the... It's, it's pretty much a Korean it. barbecue. But, <laughs> but he sold it <laughs> to people. And barbecues are really fun. So, I mean, there I have to yeah, agree with Jordan cool. Peterson. But nothing. It's just like a gigantic expensive $60,000 huge picnic table with the barbecue right in the middle of it. So it's it's a Korean barbecue. I mean, you know what Korean barbecue, you go to Korean barbecue restaurants, there's a barbecue in the middle of the restaurant, not middle of restaurant, in the middle of your table. And you you cook. So this looks like you do this at, you know, at at home, you know, in your backyard. Do you talk about your me or I, please don't? If you, do, <laughs> you talk about your friends to other friends. Yeah. Bam, <laughs> what a smart guy. You know, he's a genius <laughs> and very good sense of humor. Very good sense of fantastic sense of humor. Like, okay, calm the fuck down. First of all, you don't need to be, become so intense. Did you know? Mm, 
And uh, secondly, like, do you does anybody talk about like I usually refer to as a asshole, to be honest, if I'm <laughs> talking about <laughs> I'm joking. But you know, it's just who talks about their friends like that? Very, very astute. Uh, oh, yeah. in, at yeah. comedy what a comedy talking Dallas Douglas Murray Douglas Murray has Tom uh, anyway it's just uh, you should see Douglas Murray he has comedy timing yeah oh my god but okay I have two two comments here left one is oh I have this, a lot of comments you have a, okay let me actually finish one about climate change I forgot Go which ahead. is that climate scientist And you know, anybody who cares about climate change, they should really be thankful to Joe Rogan because I think you put climate change on the map <laughs> this no. week. Like, you know, all the scientists came out to, you know, put out tweets about climate change and the media actually cared about it. So they should be thankful. And, you know, Joe Rogan said that I think he said he's reading some kind of climate change book for guests that he's going to have. So, you know, he might oh, have a climate scientist. So that's good. And a related point is that you were making this point, you know, of the value of this kind of content jordan peterson makes me google stuff like crazy so maybe that's not everyone's like reaction but i'm just like, googling. I'm like what <laughs> shit okay this one is actually true but then i'm like but what did this have to do with anything and then like oh exactly and some stuff you learn that's, more you that's know how he wins, about the though. climate modeling and stuff you know um learned a bit about no, that th that's how he wins uh as in wins the audience over because he whenever you focus on his framework of mm -hmm. thinking he moves on to a specific example whenever you go to that specific example he moves back up to the holistic structure of view so you skilled don't you know, he's never caught yeah he's very very no no but just, he's I, i just like to some of his some of the things he said i hope just i hope people hearing it from me maybe they are not because i think maybe the way he says it but listen to this hobbit it introduces it's this is about the hobbit the book by J.R.R. tolkien it introduces shamanic level religious preconceptions back into popular culture the definition of religious experience that it was attractive enough that everyone read it what the fuck but i, I mean i'm sorry i don't know am i supposed to understand this i don't i mean maybe i don't Maybe I mean, look, they are, they, there are, there is a... I mean, what is he trying to say there? He's trying to say that that art can be a religious experience and if through art we can have collective unconscious and The Hobbit was a very good example because it was a story that the guy went and took the ring and it's one of the oldest stories. And, you know, it's, it's a good example. It's one of the fundamental stories of our lives. And because it introduces shamanic level religious preconceptions. He, this is the part where he talks about 25,000 years we mm. can draw. Our civil, I mean, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, it, like when they talk about civilizations, Joe Rogan is, I think, talking about America, maybe the West. He's talking about humanity as a whole. Mm. But, uh, I mean, you could argue The Hobbit, again, had religious motives and all that. J.R. Tolkien became religious towards the end of his life. But that's not why it's popular. Or I, I mean, yeah. And then he talks about when the Hobbit comes back, they share everything with the community. When did that happen? He, <laughs> I, from what I recall, he hoarded his gold and all that. So I don't really didn't even give it to Frodo. Uh, from what I recall. Uh, and then look. By the way, when, when I was saying that, look, I'm rude to his 
uh, to his arguments. But look at what he says, for example. It's, then he's comparing Hobbit to something else. It's opposite of dropping out. Timothy Leary let, let politics, his uninformed political misconceptions contaminate the sacredness of his experience. He, and he wraps the entire culture in doing so. So when they're, this is where the part they're talking about psychedelics and he goes on, by the way, you can tell it's a, oh man, Joe, Joe, wait till <laughs> they open their eyes to psychedelics. Oh, Joe, wait <laughs> for them to open their eyes. They will see, the, like, by the way, besides Joe being onto him, why was he sucking up to Joe Rogan so much? Like, I don't suck up to my boss this mm -hmm. much. You know what I mean? Do you, like, I don't, <laughs> am I crazy? No, was not that level. Joe, like, come here, if, like, if, come here, what you do here, man, you're so brave. Every week you put yourself, just keep doing what you're doing. The poor just guy did cry you... twice, huh? but not going to make fun uh, I, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have made fun of it if, if it didn't seem like it. Yeah. I, it's either a show or he needs help. Like he, I don't but, uh, sorry. And, what else do you um, have I, the artist oh yeah uh, listen to this the artist who subsumes oh no I did read that oh he says that when people criticize you you become a shell and then you go to a corner so he it seems to him if people criticize you you either become a shell or you become an asshole there is no middle mm. ground oh i didn't pick just, on that i didn't you, hear that one yeah you can't just take in some criticisms like and go oh maybe i can work on myself and make myself better no i have to blame myself so much that i become a shell or i become like no all i don't have white guilt i don't have this guilt i don't have that guilt not that by the way i don't think anybody's guilty for the crimes of their fathers but he's just so uh, he's so dismissive of the arguments and all that and in the end the, i'm sorry but i've had a lot of experience with uh, psychiatry the way you talk about xanax it's as if it's heroin i don't understand why joe Rogan, who's doing dmts and all kinds of drugs xanax is basically a sleeping pill it's not that it's not a huge yeah that part i don't know i mean i know that you know all these pills you can also get addicted to them and you know they can be over prescribed and all this but alcohol yeah you know you know now it was very surprising to me joe rogan as somebody who is like you know a pro but that's different uh, it's non-pharmaceutical though it's different and he would say those drugs are much more dangerous and all this Joe Rogan said some weird stuff about psychedelics too that I didn't pick up, but I've I've written down about one... Dawkins. That was about Dawkins yeah. that didn't have experience, so he can't talk about because there's a video of Jordan Peterson where he says that the two snakes that go, you know, yeah. the old Sumerian thing. He says that that may have been shamans or whatever they saw it in a psychedelic dream and it was a representation of DNA. And Dawkins ma made fun of him or. Yeah, you know, I scolded him over it. So, yeah, but and then, but Joe Rogan was very defensive of that. He was like, you know, and it's because he hasn't done it, and if he does the drugs now, he'll see, and it's not because now you know what DNA yeah, that was looks a, like, so you'll get flash, you'll get like, you know, or at least you have no, representations of it. So that's why I mean, that that's what you're going to see. He got like very like 
serious and like pissed off there. Yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah, he was like, you know, because Richard Dawkins has an experience that uh, he can't really make a claim because you see weird things. But uh, okay, you see weird things. You might even see a helix-shaped thing when you're tripping. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you had a vision of a DNA. And yeah, everything is possible, but there is a, there is a, like as everything is possible, what some things are far more likely. Is it more likely you hallucinated or is it more likely that you went to, like you managed to yeah. get a glimpse into a real metaphysical work? I mean, I, yeah, I found that part to be yeah, very annoying hurt. as well. But Joe Rogan said the smartest thing I heard on the whole podcast with how Joe Rogan like summed up Twitter. And, you know, he was telling Jordan Peterson to, you know. No, yeah, but, he, you know, he said, well, he got that from C.K. Lewis, I believe. He said, you mm. know, one way to understand all these tweets and comments on twitter he's like it's just talk you know he was like you know back then wouldn't you and your friend just like you know be like isn't this celebrity such a piece of shit or blah 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 it's just that now it's put it it's put in writing on twitter so you actually see it and it's there written in front of you but it's just like talk and you know it doesn't even mean that the person hates you that much or in that way it's just how you know you talk about something that's pissed you off so that was very insightful by joe rogan or ck lewis i guess <laughs> yeah yeah no uh very good point i definitely agree and but yeah overall but I, mean, I must yeah. Say, it was very educational though <laughs> i'm gonna be and the know, last gorillas. thing to mention i wonder if any oh, of those no, no, gorillas, man. We have to talk about the gorillas and the cage. What monkeys, the they're monkeys. <laughs> That's monkeys a... oh, how was that cage working? It was a cage, but it was a dome. It was so big that they didn't. And then they, oh my God, he was like, but wait, set it the up monkeys first, were, weren't stressed. So set he up. has a friend who has a sort of a zoo. I don't yeah. know what the fuck. I don't understand. But he had monkeys somehow. <laughs> I don't know, as an individual, he acquired monkeys and he had yeah. a private zoo or something. On like some and, Caribbean island. I can't remember where he said. Oh, yeah, all right. Mm. I didn't know. I didn't hear that. But then uh, Jordan Peterson was talking about like studies that uh, were done by the monkeys. And then Joe Rogan was like, how do we know those monkeys weren't stressed due to, <coughs> due to the fact that they're in captivity? And then Peterson is like, no, they weren't. They were very happy. And was, was no, he's like, no, they were free. They were like, they were so free. they weren't in a cage. He's like, no, no, they were in a cage. It was, a it was like, they cage, weren't free. Yeah. It was a big cage. <laughs> it was like, how big? It was like, very big. And then he was like, how do you know they didn't want to go? He said, they left the door open. <laughs> what the hell is going on? In there? <laughs> Guys, if you want to go, I leave the door. Here are the keys. Take it. You know, this is right. the keys to the Land Rover. Go on, guys, if you want to take it for a ride. <laughs> 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 Man, Jordan Peterson who loves animals so much he must have seen it that like there are some lions who like go in their cage and like come back out and they don't want to run away I'm sure it's not because yeah. they wouldn't prefer being out free it's just how they've been like brought up they don't know Train. where to go <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I told the monkeys go they didn't want to <laughs> Now you can stay here rent free or go to Dubai and work your ass off, okay? <coughs> Under my roof. My... <laughs> no, that was really funny. I love, I love his relationship but... with animals. I wish I had a, such an intense, like, uh, 
But so, I think the man. final one, the final one that I need to bring up, and maybe someone like Jack, if he's still listening, if he still managed to uh, keep up with yeah. us, I doubt it. But any of the people who are, you know, think that we're unfair towards Jordan Pearson, what's up with this obsession with hierarchy and him thinking that the <laughs> left is obsessed with hierarchy? I mean, I've never heard no, bad faith, democracy now. Hierarchy. Yeah, anybody like gray zone, any left outlet or anyone talking about hierarchy that much that he thinks that hierarchy is such a big concern of leftists and not anarchists, but of leftists. I don't know where he got that idea from. Maybe I'm mistaken, but he's obsessed with hierarchy and he also thinks that <laughs> the left no, is hates slash Hierarchy. is obsessed with hierarchy <laughs> i actually i'm gonna defend him a little bit here you know i always talked about the fact that left doesn't want to give power to anyone mm-hmm. and i would i think what he if we want to be very charitable yeah. he's talking about the fact that since 1960s onwards especially actually in the field of psychology the people who were on the left become increasingly inward looking and anti like having a, let's say, organization, anti-leaders, hmm. anti-stuff. So maybe being very charitable, he's referring to that. But again, it's not all of the, he talks about the left just like he talks about the Soviet Union, hmm. as if it's a monolith of just one guy, like one individual with one thoughts and one approach and all that. So I do think, yeah, I mean, I am being very, very charitable there to him. Yeah, no, so, fair yeah. enough. That, that is true. <laughs> that I agree. But it actually makes me actually think uh, for a second. It's funny, like at the UN and stuff, they're very hierarchical. But actually, it's like a lot of like these new business entrepreneur businesses and stuff that where they try not to be hierarchical, like not too much. Yeah, so they, they have all open offices. Their orc yeah, yeah, they have like, uh, you know, open office spaces and things like that. So <laughs> but this hierarchy thing and he, he's like and the left the hates hierarchy <laughs> he's, by the way he was obsessed he kept bringing the i think i told you he kept bringing the left on and joe rogan was like okay yeah, okay, man, let's, about yeah this. I, all right whatever i don't care about people. you know was so oh man but i would love to attend one of his lectures and i would just like him to talk about the economy because I'm sure it will be filled with, okay, guys, now look, if the mosquito had invested in the futures of the uh, oil market, he wouldn't have been in this place, you know? He wouldn't have. If the, if the bee colonies had followed the monetary policies of Milton Friedman, then they didn't need to collect honey every fucking day. I think, yeah, I think we've had our fun with this. I would love to hear our viewers and commenters and everything what they thought about it and were we being unfair and yeah maybe we can do another video oh, if if needed another, yeah, another criticism they made of me was that i didn't reference i don't know what you mean like they said you didn't say something about soviet union but i don't know like what you want you to say i would highly suggest eh cars book no, i think they soviet meant union. that you said that soviet that everything he says about the soviet union or he doesn't know anything about the soviet union oh, and yeah. you didn't like reference i guess like him saying something wrong about the soviet union i, I assume I that's what they're getting to oh yeah maybe you did Ep- well episode one of the his maps of meaning lecture and his interview with joe rogan uh, old one uh, he in both cases he talked to I thought I said maybe you did my yeah, references. yeah I don't remember well anyway so besides uh, but uh, if anybody's interested you can take a look at the age of extremes by 
Hobsbawm is very good, I think. EH car has a uh, very t- that's hard to read. Mm. Uh, but and to be honest, textbooks of international relation, most textbooks have a reasonable history to start with. You oh know? yeah, no, that's for uh, sure. Yeah. But I think they so. they were more talking about you know you pointing out where he was specifically wrong. I guess. I th- uh, okay, in that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah fair enough. I miss him. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's it. I'm surprised he didn't talk about cryptocurrency. I feel like that's something he'd be into, but maybe that's just me imagining. Mm, I don't know. He seems too philosophy oriented to be. Yeah. Into that. Although. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like he could maybe. be with like government and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, anyway. It was so funny. The part where he was like, you know, I always run all my businesses for profit. <laughs> and and just why are you saying all of this? It's like one of those people in a school. Do you remember the kids that would tell you details you don't know, you don't want to know? Yeah. Like, you know, I always do, do that and do this and do why well, yeah, okay, just whatever, man. I don't That's care. fine. I found his justification to be more annoying because he said, well, for, for multiple reasons, including that it's more efficient. Well, you mean, okay, for multiple reasons, A, you need to make a living, which <laughs> that's completely fine. But yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, you yeah. do it because it makes people more efficient. No, I, I, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, yeah, that's, I forgot about the main motive, which yeah. is profit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sam, I think we said everything we possibly could about Jordan Peterson. I'm sure there's more. Maybe you'll listen to this. <laughs> the podcast one more time no i'm joking but okay sam let's move on to progressive geopolitics tell us a little bit what is going on around the world yeah it's been it was a crazy week in many ways because you had the interestingly it's not record it's not reported that much but tajikistan and kyrgyzstan exchange fired border Mm. uh, the border guards exchange fired and uh, it seems Central Asia is going through something. Yeah, and I was every say other it. day you hear uh, a crisis ratcheting up, and they, I think they also uh, uh, they have uh, border issues and mm. all that. So you know, uh, we'll hope hopefully it won't you know develop into a full scale wall war. But that was interesting. You also had Pakistani uh, forces. Uh, we're fighting Baluchi separatists, so in the Southeast Asia. So you know, very very, uh, as they say, very very eventful week. Mm-hmm. I see. In that sense. Completely missed then, these stories. Yeah, the, I thought. Yeah, I highlight them because nobody yeah, pretty much covered them. Yeah, on the now moving on from Central Asia suddenly to a completely different place africa (laughs) in africa you also had a couple of very interesting developments which i don't know much about but there was a coup in burkina faso and the new leader his name is damiba he gave his first speech and he returned that uh, he promised that you know when conditions are normal because uh, mali has been going through a massive amount of turmoil Mm -hmm. uh, and all that so he he said they're going to bring him back interestingly though you also had a coup in mali and the coup in mali it was really funny because the first news i read was that denmark mali asked denmark to pull its troops from mali i don't know if you heard that or not no. i didn't know denmark had troops <laughs> anywhere let alone in mali you know <laughs> and 
apparently the new coup the new leaders that have come through the coup they uh, are not as like uh, positive on french and european mm. assistance they have this yeah. big thing with france which france is the former colonial uh, power there but i don't know why the danish people got in the <laughs> crossfire the poor Danes, they're just like what why should we go who's what's happening <laughs> it's the weirdest yes. news i read uh, this is from Reuters. Denmark will start pulling its troops out of Mali after the West African country's transitional junta government this week insists on an immediate withdrawal. A blow to France as yeah. its counterterrorism operation in the Sahel begins to unravel. I don't get why France, like, is like, I don't know what's going on. He, they are like, I don't understand how is this like related. I mean, to I understand Denmark. It's probably. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like under I don't what framework? Like under troops, what? Yeah, yeah, Danish troops were there to defend French yeah. interests. I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, I'm sure if I read on, I will get it. But yeah, it's I'm not curious because not that a framework justifies it, but you know, is it under like a NATO thing? Like you know, like something like you know, I just don't know. Like based on what? I mean, uh, wait, we know yeah, that the French are there. <laughs> yeah. See, see, if you read on, you find out, but it's not worth it, as I always <laughs> Denmark has had sent 105 military personnel to Mali on January 18th to join a European Special Forces mission mm. known as Takuba that was set up to help Mali tackle Islamic uh, militants. It said its troops had deployed after a clear invitation by Mali. Mm. So, I mean, it's 105 yeah. guys. 100. What were, <laughs> I don't know what were they probably office officers advisors that type of shit yeah but yeah i feel bad for denmark it, which was like well, well, we didn't do anything <laughs> what's going on so i thought i highlight uh these two stories because uh, again burkina faso and De- uh, mali i didn't think they get much time much uh, attention in the uh, mainstream media now moving on i think uh to the big dogs let's start with iran uh, because it's not as big of a story, but there are positive signs regarding the Iranian nuclear deal. There seems to be signs that Iran is willing to uh, negotiate and um, maybe give some uh, advantages to the United States. So that's looking positive. I know, uh, um, yeah, they have to come up with the, uh, at least the temporary deal or something mm-hmm. soon, I think, I think. So that's about that, but uh, more, Interestingly, what's where all the action is happening right now is Ukraine and the U.S. So that the tensions there are, there was a threat by the U.S. that they might um, uh, sanction Putin himself. Russia said that's not very that that won't matter, but it's not very helpful. There was also talks. I mean, I think yesterday finally U.S. came out and said that if Russia invades Ukraine then there won't be Nord Stream 2, mm-hmm. which I, I think it's a bit of an empty threat because I don't think Russia will ever invade Ukraine. They will just mm-hmm. have the, you know, they'll just have to separate these forces, separate, and then hold a referendum like Crimea. I don't think there would be much need for a full-scale invasion. And I don't think he wants it. Um, so uh, all the action is happening there. It's very fascinating because the frictions within the west is coming west as in you know generally speaking is coming to uh front you you see that germany is far more 
uh, especially now that they have a SPD, socialist sort of uh, leader, chancellor, they are far more conciliatory towards mm-hmm. Russia. And that's France and uh, Germany have always been more conciliatory than America and Ukraine okay. uh, uh, is very negative. We had a German and I think it was the head of their Navy had to quit because he said yeah. he just made some comments about the fact that yeah, Putin um, wants and possibly deserves respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ukraine was saying that this is a betrayal of Ukraine and all that. I mean, just get over yourself. So, uh, yeah, all the and Blinken seems to, I mean, Anthony Blinken seems to be, poor guy, seems to be get cocked by everybody <laughs> from Joe Biden who said well if there is a minor inclusion <laughs> what can you do but yeah, i love to, that yeah uh, i said joe Russian biden's girl. administration uh, should be more joe biden because <laughs> he seems to be the, the more part. reasonable one out of oh yeah we get to the gang that he's fun. put together sorry to interrupt you but, but, but no but blinken is just such a useless as a state secretary <laughs> i mean he gets he gets browbeaten by fucking Chuck Todd. Mm. Like, oh, no, no, Chuck. No, no, Chuck. Oh, oh, I will try to do better, Chuck. I'm sorry, Chuck. We said, I'm sorry, Chuck. I'm sorry. And this is the guy who's going to stand up to Lavarov. And anyways, <laughs> but so, uh, yeah, but US is yesterday finally took a hard stance on Nord Stream 2. But before, yeah, going more into uh, some US stories, talking of Biden, do you have anything on Ukraine or Russia you want to mm, No, nothing besides. No, nothing to add. Did you see Biden calling the news reporter son of a bitch? Yeah. <laughs> but then he's the awesome. Fox guy. Yeah, yeah. But then he he's called and apologized. The... Yeah, but it's still, what a son of a bitch. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and the... yeah, yeah. He found that, was... that question yeah. to be stupid. I mean, that was just like typical question that they ask him i don't know why this no one. man come on They're, all pretty, the questions yeah. are stupid and anyway Not there was probably an stupid. answer to it nobody uh, it was like it was like a breaking points level of stupidity <laughs> like is bad bad <laughs> you know like no it's great bad is good you know it's uh, it was very i don't know it was very bad it was like that yeah. what was that poll we covered which was oh, no, like, honestly oh, Anbar, wasn't that are you bad sub- are <laughs> Still, but it was so funny you because the guy had a, yeah. yeah, spying was, or something. Uh, yeah, no, it was Biden is great. I agree with you. They should bring <laughs> him out more, but sadly they don't. So moving on to the U.S., the U.S. Uh, news was pretty much dominated by the judge, uh, Supreme Judge mm. Stephen Breyer, I believe it's pronounced, finally quitting the uh, retiring from the Supreme Court and. Not doing what was her name, or what was the lady who passed away? Yeah, very old RBJ. Mm, I don't know her name, but yeah, Ruth Ginsburg. Ruth Ginsburg. She she, he didn't do a Ginsburg like clinging on to power Mm. to the last moment, just nails being (laughs) as they as the agents of death are dragging you. It's just (laughs) no, no, let me have power. So finally, he was browbeaten into quitting by people. I think at some point, somebody I don't know if this is true, but I think at some point, somebody just got a bus like bus advertisement going around like Washington DC or wherever the Supreme Court is going like, please quit, please just allow one. Anyways, 
But this led to a bunch of disgusting articles that are all like, oh, you know, like, yeah. oh my God, this is, I just, I'm going to le- read a couple of them. So yeah, any anything you want to add before mm. I jump no, into no, some no. great reading? Go ahead. All right, this is by Guest Essay in New York Times by Linda Greenhouse, winner of 1998 Pulitzer Award. So, you know, mm. somebody. Two misfor- oh, the article is uh, Stephen Breyer was the right justice for the wrong age. This is, by the way, like the, we'll come, you know, this is the theme. Like, this is, I think it's after the dark night, it became very popular. <laughs> this is the hero we, yeah. we need, but we don't deserve right now. This is the right blow, but the wrong blow. You know, this is like for, I can say the, the rising is the church, is the broad church that we need, but don't deserve right now. (laughs) Anyway, two misfortunes have befallen Stephen G. Breyer during his long Supreme Court career. One which became apparent about halfway through his nearly 28 years tenure was that it was his fate to be the quintessential enlightenment man in an increasingly unenlightened era at the court. Oh, I'm so sorry for him. <laughs> the second happened during this past year. The demand from the left that he steps down and open his seat uh, for President Biden to fill. Justice <laughs> Breyer's belief in powers of facts, evidence, and expertise was out of his fate, a step in a post-factual age. I mean, Jeez. what the hell are you talking about? What post? Yeah, the factual age was about 20, to the year 2000 when still most Democrats opposed gay marriage yeah. and were, you know, uh, were uh, calling black people super predators. Mm-hmm. That was the factual age you were living in. What the hell are you on about, my friend? The protection of the Voting Rights Acts were no longer necessary in the South? Question mark. Sorry, I, I should have read it differently. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it goes on to say that Justice Breyer was on the losing side on everything, pretty much. <laughs> uh, just oh, listen to this. Although the labels often affixed to Justice Breyer are pragmatist and seeker of compromise, it has always seemed to me that these, while not inaccurate, miss the mark. They discount the passion beneath <laughs> the man's cool and urban <laughs> persona passion that I think stems from his early encounter with the court that understood the constitution as an engine of progress. What the hell are you talking about? I mean, have you, by the way, see Justin Breyer's interview. There is less passion in him than a a glass of water, you know? Man, the sucking up is unreal. And these people, they don't have to just suck up to their bosses, but they have to suck up to like... Yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like a, yeah. Again, People they don't know. Free sucking up. It's like <laughs> sucking up for no reason. I mean, maybe there is a reason. I mean, it goes on and on. But towards the end, it uh, goes to say, in recent months, Justin Breyer has been mocked on the left for clinging to a romantic vision of the Supreme Court as an institution apart from politics. Surely that argument has gone. If he could only get over that fiction and understand the political moment, he would hang up his rope. That mistakes the man. He cuts his eye, eye thief, eye thief, I've never heard this expression, in politics, working for Senator Edward Kennedy, another centrist 
useless Kennedy. As chief counsel to the state judiciary committee, I'm sure he, along with the rest of us, has watched with clear eyes and a heavy heart as politics swamp the institution he loves. His understanding of politics that the only way to make difference is by staying in the game led him to stay on the court as the <laughs> diminished liberal side uh, seniors associate uh, justice. A role will now pass to Justice Sotomayor, although he will reportedly remain on the court until the end of his term. He chose to announce his plans to retire now, just after court finished assembling the case, it will clear, it will hear and decide through late June or early July. This suggests he has the month ahead fully in the view and has decided that he has made all the differences <laughs> he can. Now it's time to let someone else try. Okay. Oh my God. Jesus. Jesus Christ, man. Man, these like, opinion pieces, they're horrific. They're I mean, I never read them. They, 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 they seem yeah. like they're like the worst pieces of writing you find in the mainstream, mainstream media. I mean, a normal article in mainstream media is heaven compared to this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me just... What the hell uh, are these opinion me... pieces? I know. I've got a couple of more, though. Don't be, uh, don't get too excited as of yet. I'm just looking for it. Sorry yeah. about that. So, all right, that's not it. All right, another one. The court loses its chief pragmatist. Mm -hmm. This is from The Atlantic by Jeffrey Rosen. Um, with the upcoming retirement of Justice Stephen Breyer, the country moves into a more idea ideologically divided future. Uh, so this one is another piece of paper that uh, just uh, goes on to basically uh, kiss his ass. Breyer's constitutional vision as justice, his commitment to temperance, temperance? What's that? Flexibility, compromise, and restraint had mixed success at the Supreme Court in the terms that ended last June. Although it issued some polarized decisions along six three partisan lines, most notably in the case limiting the Voting Rights Act, the court also issued relatively narrow and nearly unanimous decisions, several written by Breyer himself, in cases that upheld the Affordable Care Act, protected free speech rights of students and defended the religious liberty rights of Catholic social service agencies. Was is that, that was my question? Was Catholic social service agencies <laughs> were under attack at some point? <laughs> that didn't get through the news. I don't know. Did you hear about that? No. Yeah. <laughs> First time uh, hearing about a lot of this. Yeah. The, the, I'm moving on. I, I I mean this article was pretty boring, but this one I wanted to point out just because of its opening. This is again. Another article with the same exact title. This I found on, uh, what was the website? I don't know, Top Stories. I think the website's called Top Stories. Opinion, Stephen Breyer was the right yeah, justice what's for going the wrong on? age. Why do these two have I, this? Are they, are they this, they're not the same article. I don't think so. That's the thing. I don't think so. And this article starts with one of the war. Like, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't ever start your article like this. Noting that the usual for granting an injunction of the type the plaintiffs requested required a displaying that the court docket's intervention was within the public curiosity he requested, and then a three quote and a few yeah. long quote by Justin Breyer. Um, how would you 
it starts your article no, with the longest sentence No, but what's up with this article? Where did you find this? I found it on the uh, top news. Oh, it's just like a blog, huh? Yeah, it's just a blog. But yeah, it has the exact same headline as that lady, no? Yeah. And it's even like, I think it's a, to be honest, I think it's a plagiarism attempt because I look at the ending. The last line is the exact last line of that article, but now it's time to let another person attempt, right? Yeah. And she wrote, now it's time to let someone else try. So but I don't know what's I think that we do the first useful thing ever on our show, which is to catch someone plagiarizing at least. Oh my God, yeah, this is plagiarism. Look at this. I'm, I'm such an idiot. I or is that some inco- kind of thing where did she like sell her article to like a third person robot or something? Maybe. Look, because again, look, it's just exactly the same thing, but just a few vocabs have changed. In current months, Justin Breyer has been mocked on the left for clinging to a yeah, romantic, instead of in recent imaginative. Months. Yeah, exactly. It's just very, yeah, it's a plagiarism attempt. So, sorry, that was and, just yeah. my genius there. God. No, but I mean, this is, I'm very... But yeah. Because the beginning was different and the beginning was so stark to me that the circle yeah. did such a weird, like, way. But yeah, this guy is finally gone. I'm glad that, you know, has, he didn't do a, a Ginsberg and cling on to power till the last possible moment. But yeah, but and he, good for him. I mean... He earned a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, kiss, uh, ass kisses. <laughs> ass kissing. Ass, yeah. Ass yeah. Kissing. No, that uh, was insane how much that lady was just insane. loving him. I mean, she, she reported on the Supreme Court, it says here. So maybe that's why. So, you know, but that's what I say. You're not supposed to get that close to your subjects as an yeah, objective, yeah, impartial feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it's like as if she's talking about her dying dad or something. Like, yeah, I know. It was crazy. But uh, yeah, before finishing up geopolitics uh, completely. But yeah, and also, you're right about uh, that. Sorry, that's kind of funny yeah. thing about the right right person at the wrong time or the wrong time and the right person. <laughs> These deserve and need, since the dark night, <laughs> the deserve and need uh, switcheroo mm. has become a very, very common tactic by all opinion yeah. writers. So yeah. But, uh, what else were you saying? Also, yeah, go ahead. So Sorry. I wanted to shift back to UK and somewhat to Ukraine uh, in a way because, man, UK news media, I don't know if you've been following, they've been going crazy. Like over UK, what? by the way, also over Ukraine. UK also sent weapons and military equipment to Ukraine and Channel 4, BBC, they are going, oh, America is abandoning UK. You And all oh, every day, the 60th Guardian has six interviews with Ukrainians, yeah, getting, Ukrainians training in the snow, <laughs> you know, walking around. I, I don't know, by the way, how's that going to stop? Anyway, uh, so UK is going crazy. I think Boris Johnson is trying to use this somewhat to distract from the whole party gate mm. and supply issues, shops. A lot of shelves are empty. So, you know, things are not going well. Like communist Cuba. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. It's, Don't it's bring so up weird. empty shelves around me. You're going to hear this joke every time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so things in the UK are going crazy. People are, some people are still calling for Boris Johnson's resignation, but I don't think he's going to resign. And this is from 
this is from the got this is from uh, guardian and this is extremely annoying to me so uh, p- this is guardian this is supposed to be left wing this may be rishi sunak's best chance to seize the crown but will he dare to take it poly poly toy Anyone who stays in the cabinet is complicit with Boris Johnson. The chancellor's window for action is shrinking fast. So the liberals at the Guardian, they love Rishi Sunak because Rishi Sunak is one of those guys, is one of those pops who is from a you know, different ethnicity. He's got a bit of a brown skin. So, you know, he's, he's a posh boy who believes in neoliberal policies and he's always talks like that. But he's also, he's also from ethnicity so you know people love oh my god he's just the perfect dude. yeah you know he's like he's your you know he's just a dream dreamy little boy and he's also married to a guy to a lady he, basically his father-in-law owns half of india so that's very helpful in your life generally he sits there silently on the front bench the man with nothing to say about the great swirl of chaos all around him what is Rishi Sunak thinking? Oh, there is a tie in the affairs of men, which taken at the floods leads on to the fortune. Miss it, warns Brutus, the conspirator, and all his life will be bound in shallows and miseries. Indeed, this chancellor may never get another chance to shoot through to number 10. So he's comparing Rishi Sunak to Brutus. So I'm guessing in this analogy, Boris Johnson is Caesar. <laughs> so I mean, what the hell? Boris Johnson is not Caesar, all right? Caesar was far more capable. I mean, no, I'm not a big fan of Caesar. Yeah. Anyways, but it's still. <laughs> but when exactly is that damn tide at the flood? When Grey's Anatomy, so from Shakespeare to Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> I just love this lady. Grey's Anatomies of number 10 parties is published, perhaps. Or when those notoriously dilatory plots report. Boris Johnson hopes that the delaying the party gate reckoning will allow him to fortify his dam against the flood. His backers try to frighten Tory MPs by threatening that a new leader means a general election. Sunak sees Ladbrokers' latest betting odds. Ladbrokers is a, it's a company bets like it's a gamble. Yeah, yeah, it's in the ads. Betting odds showing his chances of succession at eleven to eight, while the foreign secretary list tr- trust trills at six to one. Oh my God, mm. man! Can you believe? Like we got Rishi Sunak, and one night going, "Hello," <laughs> basically a Mr. Bean uh, impersonator, and Liz Truss, who is a Mr. Bean. It's not even impersonating, but oh my God! Like UK is doomed, and yeah, this is bad. But yeah, this article it goes on to basically just portraying. They she keeps portraying. Oh, like yeah, as if it's a Shakespearean drama. I mean, bunch of useless failed miserable gits basically going at it and she's basically portraying it as this like a grand Shakespearean drama let me just go to the last paragraph if Shunak facilitates now the brutal results of all above will soon bequeath him an angry electorate drowning in bills with inflation rising above their falling pay the the halcyon I don't know, Halcyon, if anybody knows, or Halcyon, days of eat out to help out will be long obliterated by his austerity years. If he does seize the crown, calling a general election now might be his best chance. Labor hopes a lame Johnson limps on. So I don't know why this lady 
writing for Guardian is basically like giving, she's like trying to give a strategy advice to <laughs> Tories. And I don't know what, how many Tories are reading Guardian. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I think, uh, yeah, what's his name? Rishi Sunak would be a dream come true for <laughs> many of the liberal elites. You know, he's got the right amount of ethnic, uh, ethnicity and uh, neoliberal brutalness. So. <laughs> Beautiful combination. Yeah, and but uh, before just completely moving on, I also wanted to highlight this article by the Independent, which made my blood boil basically. So, uh, political leaders can learn from guess who? Guess who? Kids. No, ah. I sent you that. Oh wait, did Sir I... Ant- Sir Anthony Tony Blair. Oh, I didn't see this one. Oh, I, oh, because I sent it. And, uh, ah, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing it right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, this one. Oh, Sir, I mean, how much of a kiss ass mm-hmm. do you have to be to put him as a Sir? I mean, Jesus Christ, really. Get over yourself. Yeah, but, what was the okay, article I, I, saying? No, no. It was saying that... Uh, um, political leaders can learn from uh, Sir Tony Blair's advice. Yeah. I mean, okay, to be honest, I was going to leave this for my pick of the week. So I'll read it then. So do you have anything to add about the geopolitics of UK and all that? No, 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 not really. All right, then let's move on. All right, Sam, well, let's do some quick hitters and then we'll get to pick of the week and that article. So quick hitters are really quick this one, this time. So, well, the first one, at least. So some pretty decent news. So about Julian Assange. So I'm just going to read the three sentences from BBC to make sure that we get everything right. So WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange has won the right to ask the Supreme Court to block his extradition to the US. The the high court ruled on Monday he had an arguable point of law that Supreme Court justices may want to consider. The ruling means Mr. Assange can petition the UK's highest court for hearing, stalling any extradition from the UK for now. So pretty much it seems that if I understood this last sentence properly, he is now able to ask. He's been like, I guess, some court or somewhere they found that he's, he's able, able to, to appeal. He's able, yeah, to exactly. Well, is he not even to appeal yet? Petition the UK's highest court for a hearing. Does that mean oh. to appeal it or just ask no if idea. he can if he can appeal? Yeah, appeal it. Yeah, uh, but in yeah, any case, yeah. I mean, he's gonna get to stay. <laughs> in prison in the uk the poor guy a little bit longer yeah yeah i mean <laughs> until, yeah. yeah until what happens there i'm not very hopeful because conservative government and all that so yeah but at, at the if, end it's gonna go to ministers so yeah and no exactly i mean the headline look at the headline the headline says julian assange is gonna ask supreme court to consider extradition case but when you read it more carefully down here, but Mr. Assange has no guarantee of a hearing despite being able to petition the Supreme Court. So all that happened is that, yeah, he's, I guess he somehow got permission to ask the Supreme Court if they want to take a look at his appeal. So the guy, poor guy, man, he always has like... <laughs> uh, his life, well... I mean, we can't make, we can't give you food to eat right now, but we can let you know that we're allowed to start cooking for you if you want. Like, yeah, <laughs> uh, you can request water, 
You can request a paper to request water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why the even most... he beats one of them, then there's like another yeah. one. <laughs> His first victory would be to finally show up in front of the Supreme Court. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. it's really right. fucked up. Uh, but he, uh, the m- most annoying thing is, in my view, he was... Like what he did, in my view, was far braver and more important than what the leakers did. Mm. And he left doesn't show him at all any love. Like a broad left. I'm not talking about Katie Halper mm. and uh, Matt Taibbi and, I don't know, Aaron Matter, but most of them. Yeah, yeah. No, no, definitely. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure with that, with the, I think we talked about this, but with the Sweden like rape allegations, I think those ones like muddied his name more than like anything else, right? Because that that's like something that everybody like would understood yeah, or what he's accused yeah. of, you know, but, raping yeah, those, women like, in in Sweden too. I think yeah. that one like probably did the most damage to yeah. to his brand name. I feel. I think his Clinton thing was more like that made the mm. mainstream media. No, yeah, that really, really made the mainstream media turn on him. But I mean, you know, this one was such a like easy obvious one to throw in there look this guy is so bad that he even has like rape allegations in sweden you know yeah i don't know it's by the way off off <laughs> yeah they, although that's of course been completely yeah, yeah. thrown out and everything but yeah, yeah. yeah what's this monkey story you had for us let's okay. move on to your monkey another story. <laughs> another feel good story it's been a few days now it's from 22nd of january but uh, I hope, uh, well, we'll get into what I hope. But this, the title of this story is... Dun, 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 dun. Do we have a James Bond like music? Is that <laughs> copyrighted? Monkey on loose in Pennsylvania after crash on way to laboratory. Clo- police advise people not to approach Sinomolgus. Sinomolgus? I don't know. Monkey believed to be on the loose near Danville after Friday crash. Residents of a Pennsylvania county were warned on Saturday not to approach a monkey still missing after a crash involving a pickup towing a trailer, taking about hundreds of the animals mm-hmm. to a research laboratory. State troopers urged people not to look for the capture the monkey following the Friday afternoon crash on the state highway. So, I, I mean, mm-hmm. this monkey is my, my hero. So, I hope... Uh, I hope that basically there was a, like these, you know, I hope this is basically beginning of the planet of the earth. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen planet of the earth series, but it's kind of the such... apes or planet of the earth. Planet of uh, apes. Yeah. Sorry, what did I say? Earth. Planet? Well, you said earth. Yeah. Planet of the apes. Oh man, this is great. I hope this monkey, like it was a plan by the monkey. <laughs> and then like there was, a, you know, there was a altercation, <laughs> kinetic altercation with the driver trying to take the wheel. Ah, and then, you know, the monkey and all the animals, like you guys run, run, no, you run. And probably a few of them were killed in action. But yeah, I love this monkey and I hope he doesn't get caught. Uh, let me read this. A witness... Michelle Fallon told the Press Enterprise newspapers of Bloomsburg that she spoke with the pickup driver and a passenger after the crash. The driver appeared to be disoriented and the passenger uh, thought he might have injured his legs, she said. So I'm hoping like maybe they, that maybe that's why the driver is feeling not good. Maybe they, 
injected him with a with something. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm loving this monkey that you know ran away. Yeah, I hope. I hope they all get to at least be taken to some kind of zoo or sanctuary now. Now that they almost escaped these poor guys, because they're on their way to a research lab. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm well, hoping hey, he maybe it's for medication society... that we need. <laughs> Well, if it goes according to the planet of the apes plan, he will form a society in the woods and then they will start challenging the humans for supremacy. So, I yeah. But man, this monkey is a sick, sick and a cool. Like, this monkey is awesome. I, I want to get to know. I, can we, do you think we can, do you think email him or something for an interview? Do you think he'd be up for that? <laughs> yeah. uh, this poor monkey. They want they want uh, people to stay away from him so bad. Yeah, because dangerous. I guess. Probably has monkey. developed their skills. <laughs> I think that I think this is the monkey that has developed the, the skills of uh, you know he can sp- speak to yeah. humans <laughs> just like the he's Caesar. He's got them Caesar from Planet of the Apes, and he's gonna uh, you know I I'm hoping that's why they're saying that you shouldn't <laughs> like if people get to know this monkey then yeah the world will change. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it was a very good feel-good story. So I thought well, I don't know. It was a bit. It's like half feel-good because I mean, some of the monkeys escaped, but they're all caught, so they're still going to be taken to the lab for research. And this but poor Caesar one. Got out. Yeah, it seems so. Hopefully, some monkey yeah. lover, someone who knows how to talk to monkeys, no, comes across I, them and gets them and takes them. Hopefully. Home. I'm hoping Caesar, like Dalton Brothers from uh, Lucky Luke, uh, Caesar will. <laughs> You know, attack the attack the caravan of poor monkeys or poor animals being taken to laboratory. I, so weird. I mean, most of the tests. That's the thing. If the laboratory tests were for cancer and AIDS only, that okay, whatever. Yeah. But most of the tests, it's for like oh, perfume or like soap or something. Yeah, no, Fuck that up. kind of shit is seriously bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I can understand yeah. how maybe you know. Sorry, I just thought of it. I, I mean, I can understand how <laughs> so some things it might be absolutely necessary. So maybe it helps to create, yeah, some cure for cancer or something. Nothing. I was just imagining if Jordan Peterson ran like any of these labs. <laughs> like he would give like some food to a bird and be like, okay, you see, the bird can eat it. Okay, you can give it to your kids. Or something. Like he would draw the craziest. <laughs> relations you know like listen these dogs they only need to shower once a month so based on that (laughs) humans don't also need to (laughs) as you can see there is a hierarchy among the wolf population (laughs) therefore submit submit (laughs) to my will (laughs) the connection i have have a feeling in worker space he would come and yeah he would try to alpha i don't know he would tell people to throw out their furniture and stuff he'd be like Listen, we got these monkeys' furniture. They didn't want any bats? of it. <laughs> Haven't you seen bats? They yeah. sleep hanging from it. <laughs> Man, we would all be screwed. <laughs> so, you know, ant colonies go. To- <laughs> if the mon- if the monkey that now gets out invests his money into Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency, I think he can beat inflation. <laughs> man oh my god so but, yeah but i was like i was very happy overall I, like i still one monkey got out so yeah yeah 
hope so. Maybe someone in Pennsylvania will find them before the state troopers or whatever and take him somewhere yeah, I to hope chill. So. But yeah, okay, should we do pick of the week? Worst and best? Yeah, let's uh, do that. Yeah. Who, who goes f- first, worst or best? Uh, you, like that last time you started, so I'll start this. Time. Go ahead. So my pick of the week is the goddamn Labour Party, uh-huh. which is just the I'm UK Labour oh Party. Oh my god, the yeah, UK Labour Party, man, they are just killing me. So you had the Tory guy defected to the Labour, and man, Keir Starmer, you should have seen him. He he wasn't. I don't think he. Maybe the day he got to be anointed, mm-hmm. he, he mm-hmm. got knighted. He's Sarah as well. He was this happy, oh, hello, please come in. Oh, I love you, buddy. I love Tories. Uh, so he was welcome. In the same week, NEC, the central committee of the party, uh, voted that VIP uh, is not restored to yeah, Jeremy Corbyn. Jesus so Jeremy Christ, Corbyn nice. is not part of the party, uh, still technically. So he might not be, be able to stand as a Labour candidate. You know, mm-hmm. if there's yeah, election, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is very fucked up, and it just shows that, yeah, I mean they are winning. So in in the, the same week, they're you know they are welcoming this conservative. They are kicking Jeremy Corbyn out, pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah, wow. Yeah, shit. Yeah, it's actually when you hear both of them um together exactly <laughs> celebrating yeah. this conservative and um, switching over, and at the same time denying again. I mean, it's so, man, it's Jeremy so fucking, Corbyn. I mean, Keir Starmer is right now, is living in this delusion that the party gate and all that, and maybe the Ukrainian mm-hmm. crisis will lead to a, will lead to a situation where uh, Boris Johnson's defeat is any but guaranteed, kind of like, to be honest, the way Tony Blair became uh, prime minister. But I'm not so sure. I still think, I personally still think Boris Johnson even as a labor like person, I would say he's a better leader than just Keir Stormy. He's just such an ineffective fool. Yeah. And he's so happy that now he gets just to talk about, uh, you know, like personal virtues mm-hmm. and uh, right and wrong. No, and, then, because of, and then while I was hating on the Labour Party, a blast from the past, Tony Blair came back to my attention mm-hmm. through this independent article. Political leaders can learn from Sir Anthony Blair's advice. Now, shall we read and see what is this uh, mage's advice? This mage's great advice? Please. Please? Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever the independence disagreements with Sir Tony Blair in the past, which are none, like Tony Blair was pretty much conservative, uh, uh, we applauded his efforts to play a, the role of an experienced advisor in a new way. In the old days, a former prime minister might have stayed in the House of Commons or moved up the corridors to the House of Lords to offer the nation the benefits of their wisdom and experience from those benches. I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> like House of Lords wisdom and experience, <laughs> like a bunch of losers and failed sons and appointees. Uh, crooks basically this is one of the main ways you can by the way like yeah, politicians like prime ministers are corrupt in the UK is the you know uh, honors list like you know people lobby for that crazy so uh, Sarah 
Sertoni offers these traditional values in a modern setting, creating an extra parliamentarian model, a foundation to exploit and build on his insight and understanding of government. Oh my God. Some of his advice has been offered occasionally controversially to foreign leaders keen to learn the lessons of public service reform. Mm -hmm. So now I get why this article was written because this article just comes a week after Tony Blair's legacy was again for the hundredth time was uh, dragged through the mud because he gave advice to the Kazakh leader, uh, the Kazakh leader who is a dictator and all that. So ah, that's why Mm. you're writing this. I get it now. Uh, controversial, you know, when they say controversial advice to controversial leaders, uh, foreign leaders, that's that's a giveaway. One hundred percent. But in recent years, his most striking contribution has been the pol- to the policy debate in this country throughout the Brexit agonies. Mm-hmm. His was the most articulate and persuasive oh, wow. case for membership of the European Union. His was the most off-putting, <laughs> and if he had any sense, he would have stayed out of that debate because. Yeah. Uh, after the referendum for pausing long and hard to consider the implications of the decision to leave. So, you know, not, uh, yeah, that turned out to be a great winner for the Labour Party. They lost all, like, <laughs> they, the whole red wall collapsed because the uh, Labour continued to be basically, oh, we don't know, maybe we have a second referendum. Oh, we don't know. So, yeah, thank you for that advice, Tony Blair. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, he goes on to say that even in the COVID crisis, he did good. Uh, Boris Johnson tried to learn from him. Uh, yeah, they're constantly trying to rehabilitate this guy. I mean, I guess he did, his, his image was never damaged like George Bush or something like that, but well. No, he he also had a pretty UK. bad damage, exactly. He had a pretty bad reputation. And yeah, then he, he was, was also uh, hit with the other scandals like a year, few years ago with the... All his life is a scandal, pretty yeah. much, because him no, and his I'm wife... I'm thinking of yeah, the Cambridge it, it, Analytica stuff, right? Was he not involved in that too? Did he no, not take I a hit know. then as well? Maybe I'm just... Yeah. I don't know. I think he... It's just there's so many controversies with yeah. the personal, financial, political... And all that, but yeah, they keep trying to, uh, you know, uh, uh, as you say, rehabilitate him. Uh, The article ends with, it may be too late for Mr. Johnson to benefit much from the advice Sir Tony and his freelance think tank can offer. It's basically (laughs) an advertisement for this think tank. Because the other skill the former Labour Prime Minister retains is an acute understanding of British politics. Oh, Jesus Christ. And he thinks the ground is shifting under Mr. Johnson's feet. There is a group quote, there is a group of people who may be back, who may be back the Tories for the first time who are having second thoughts. He tells us, has politics shifted? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, look, even the way he talks is like a a PR person. You know, you see that there is a group of people who may who may be back the Tories for the first time, who are having second thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, how cool I am. I did the first and now it's juxtaposition yeah. against the second. I mean, that was, yeah. So it reminded me how much I hate the Labour Party. No, but I mean, you know, I read with this 
with this MP guy switching from the right to the left, I mean, I guess nobody thinks this way. This is fine why they're celebrating. But this is not something I would celebrate that much because it shows what a sham it is, right? This whole, like, this two-party systems. This guy didn't like how Boris Johnson behaved in this, like, personal particular way, right? Not Nothing to do with, like, conservative ideology, policies. point of views, policies. Based on that, he completely switched parties from conservatives to labor, which, you know, are supposed to be different, right? Like, you know, so nobody asked themselves, so are these two parties the exact same? So, I mean, you know, I find it a bit weird that they celebrated so much. You know, I would have, I would have stayed a bit quiet. You know what I mean? I guess, I guess it's not... I guess that kind of backlash, you don't receive well, it or something. Look, for but the, lab, the labor, these people with Keir Starman and stuff, they are, they are happier if they could have Tory voters mm-hmm. instead of labor voters. So I think that's why no, they I mean, they just want to get votes. But I mean, you know, I'm sure some people, you know, some labor, you know, some labor voters and stuff, you know, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't look too good in, in their eyes, but... I guess not. Oh, because, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it seems very. I don't know. I wouldn't called. celebrate yeah. it too much because it just, you know. Yeah, we. Yeah, but they. I mean, I don't. Yeah, they don't seem to care about winning so much as holding on to the power within the party. Yeah. So I don't think they care, really. Because it really shows, like, what a sham it is. You know, you got pissed off with something that he did at a personal level, and you switched parties. You know, I thought there were some serious differences between these two parties <laughs> you were wrong but no <laughs> so quick switch parties you know and he didn't go from like being labor to independent or you know from being tory to like a more right doing one or like yeah, independent you care for that that would have been like okay but no <laughs> join labor okay. strange board and but what about his own con like the people who voted him in and stuff like, w- will they not vote him out? Like, maybe next time will thing. they vote for well, him? Next or? Time he, he, that's usually uh, a lot of people that tend to switch parties tend to lose because uh, yeah. people tend to vote for their for parties. parties. Yeah, yeah. He, he won't be able to stand as the conservative party candidate. But then I mean, again, he <laughs> he switched, have, yeah. I think he's a new guy to the or party. Or is he on loan? Yeah. <laughs> I said, is he on loan? You know how like football players go on loan for six months to a different team and then they come back. So, oh, no, I'm uh, joking. <laughs> there is a good chance. No, the thing is, he, I think he may be from the Red Wall and I know he's a new member of the parliament and he may be calculating that we're going to, considering that Brexit is not an issue anymore, I might lose my seat anyway. Mm. So I better like open up my options. Mm. So that might be his calculation. Yeah. More than that, I think he saw a chance to be in limelight for five minutes and he took it because of the whole crisis but yeah but there'll be other chances i don't know i feel like this one was a bit of a funny one because those are the two things that came to my mind one is like eh, i wouldn't celebrate too much and then the second one will you not get like will you not lose <laughs> the next time there are elections I don't there's know. a good chance there's a good chance but yeah but okay let me wrap up with my pick of the week which is best so you did the worst i did the best and i probably mentioned this a lot but you know the past month or two as i've been into uh what's his name jordan peterson i've also been into michael sugru's um lectures 
on YouTube and he's great. So he's a political philosopher. I'll show a little bit of footage of him here. And they've uploaded all of these lectures that he did in the 80s or 70s or something. I don't even know. Maybe 90s. It looks like the 80s <laughs> onto the I, I, YouTube it channel. Like, it looks like 16th century to be honest. Just the, I don't know what, I, it doesn't look like it was like even a video camera it looked like one of these <laughs> <laughs> so and then they put colors on it so it's like geez it's so weird i don't know what, but, but this guy is God great he's, he's read it's as if he's read Everything. every political philosophy book out there and I he knows he them all by heart like everybody in the comment section like wow this guy has no notes has no notes and in the case of his lectures, it is pretty impressive. Like sometimes you see why the person doesn't have notes, and but like Jordan Peterson, <laughs> yeah, no, he he says that I don't yeah. use notes, and he clearly but... shows, man, it definitely shows you don't. Have... But anyway, Michael Sugar's <laughs> channel is great. I mean, every single political philosopher you can think of, he has a lecture, and I was listening to the one on Jean Francois Lyotard this week he's a uh, post he, yeah it's called the postmodern con condition the name of this podcast of this episode or like video lecture and based on what i got is that since he's a postmodernist jean-francois leotard was kind of saying that this enlightenment framework of like science and science being the basis of judging things that's just one set you know and they're like you know you can judge things and talk about things in different paradigms and then michael sugru's i believe criticism of that was that you know when you do that and you really take it to its full extent then you just have people who don't agree on any points like any similar points which so is just talking past each other and they can't really talk to each other based on what i got but anyway i just wanted to mainly <laughs> promote the no, channel for anybody yeah. who's interested but i only listened to it once um you know just i don't even know if i finished that lecture the whole way but anyway it's michael Sugar's channel man. is really good yeah yeah for sure yeah it's good but it's, he has everyone he has one on hegel and i feel like he's not a fan of hegel and the way he talked about hegel really good i didn't also like Hegel just seemed like you know he wanted to solve a, the everything about is Hegel like wanted like an answer to everything and anything something like that right based on yeah. what dialectics is that it's a bullshit it's like you know again like it's ideology in the sense that it's all encompassing mm -hmm. explanation yeah yeah, I yeah. Think. that's what I that's... got from Michael Sugru and you know he was he was saying like you know I congratulate him on having such a you know, not many people would dare to, you know, tackle such a big and hard topic. sub topic. But he says, but I think like many others before him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that I that's I that the part of Marx that I don't like is the Hegelian. Yeah, part and he well, was very influenced know? by Hegel, I think. No. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he kind of makes Hegel much better in many ways. <laughs> I genuinely think Hegel was a charlatan. Mm. That's a charlatan, actually, that's not fair. I haven't read about his life, but he was not a, he was very much a liberal. Almost. But um, yeah. Uh, I see. I didn't know much, much about him before this lecture, but yeah, Michael Sugru was kind of, yeah, he was kind of saying that. Yeah. I mean, I'm very biased. I came the first, like, I, I, like, I, I read Schopenhauer and his writings before Hegel. I never, I don't think I've ever read Hegel like his own writing mm. so 
I'm a bit biased in that sense. I came to know him through his enemies. I see. Like, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I'm not familiar with, with that at all. But yeah, I got to know him a little bit through Michael Sugru. But yeah, no, great YouTube channel. And he even has like a current channel on Spotify, like where he does some stuff. Although, I don't know. <laughs> on YouTube, you can you just find videos of him from that one like period where I guess they decided to film these brilliant lectures. And yeah. Yeah, thank God for that. Yeah. yeah. We're no, not trying to watch some of that. No, it's, it's great stuff. But okay, I think that's that. Any final words? Uh, no. All right. Well, people, please like and subscribe. And more importantly, let us know what you think about all the bullshit we've talked about in the comment section. And we'll make sure to get to them. If not, thank you for watching. Please like and subscribe. And we'll see you in our next video. Thank you.